good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. Yeah, that's right, and we sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks all around the town and all around the country. And all around the world, if you're if wanting so, to call. you're so inclined. <laughs> <laughs> I had a gentleman who emailed from Italy. No kidding. Yeah, he's retired Navy. Uh-huh. He happens to live in Italy now. And he had a Land Rover, which I don't know a whole lot about. Right. He was going to put some brake pads on the rear. Mm, okay. And the Land Rover's having an electronic parking brake. It has to be released. Right. And there's a regular procedure for it, and he wasn't sure what it was. So we don't have service data on the European cars, but I was able to call a friend of mine on ietn that does work on european cars uh-huh. he sent me the procedure so i was able to forward, forward it, it on, on to him that's so great at least we kind of tried to help him out that way i hope he got his brake pads put on yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's not uncommon at all for us to get email from europe or oh, yeah. asia or the middle east or just basically everywhere right i think you've even got a few from australia australia africa pretty much all over the world yeah most of these guys say well yeah we listen to the show that's wonderful for a local site you know yeah it's great it really makes you feel good when you that kind of spot right today i thought we would talk a little bit about selling a used car something we hadn't talked about before and if we run out of time with that, we may touch on buying, Actually buying a used car. Used car. Okay. <laughs> Just because it kind of goes hand in hand. But first, we got Mr. Bob McCarron, who every year goes up to the James Dean run. Right. We got him on the phone. Good morning, Bob. Morning, Lewis and Brian. How you guys doing? Doing, doing great. It's raining here. <laughs> Isn't it? It's absolutely gorgeous here, Bob. You, you missed a beautiful weekend here. Oh, absolutely. 71 degrees, nice little breeze, low humidity. It's just a beautiful day. Well, it was real nice yesterday, and it's supposed to be clear up in about an hour, and I'm sitting here with Mr. Marcus Winslow. He's James Dean's cousin. Uh-huh. James Dean, as you know, grew up on the farm that belonged to Marcus's father. Right. Here in Fairmont, Indiana, and I'm sitting here in Marcus's 56 Crown Victoria, and he also, out here at the show, he's got his 49 Ford that Dean drove to high school every once in a while. That belonged to Marcus's dad. Right. Mm. And he also has this, I think it's a 54 International Truck, beautiful, restored, 57 retractable, a couple Model A's, and a 49, 50, 50 Merc. And then, of course, in Rebel Without a Cause movie, Dean drove the 49 Merc. Mm-hmm. And Marcus still operates the farm, and I'm going to turn it over to him and let him talk about the show and all. Okay, great. Good morning, Hello, Marcus. There. Hey, how are you this morning? Hey, I'm just fine. Tell us a little bit for the folks listening. Where exactly is the James Dean Run? James Dean Runs in Fairmount, Indiana, uh-huh. which is about halfway between Fort Wayne and Indianapolis. Okay, it's about five miles west of Interstate 69. Take 255 exit, okay. and it'll take you right to Fairmount. What is the Dean Run for folks? It's a, it's a huge car show. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything older than 1980. Okay. And an awful lot of Mercury's, I suppose, because Jimmy drove a Mercury and rebelled out of cause. Right. It's really a track some Mercury's. We got a Mercury out here, which, you know, is always full. And I think yesterday they said they had about 1,300 cars. Wow. Wow. Big show. We weren't expecting any rain, so it's raining here today. Mm-hmm. And that dampens everybody's spirits. Um, imagine. But if the sun comes out, why? It'll be still be a nice day. Right. And what kinds of things can folks expect to see when they come to the James Dean Run? Well, they can see about every car you can think of, mm-hmm. you know, all the way from street rods to hot rods to customized cars and also restored.
stored cars, and of course, people see friends who've got acquainted with. Seems like a lot of people kind of plan this time of the year to to meet up with somebody. Mm-hmm. A lot of people enjoy the cars, but they also enjoy the friendship that they've gained. Of course, there's always a lot of stuff here to eat, a lot of good food booths, and got a swap meet for parts and so forth. And so, pretty much a full day of activity. Yeah. Yeah, it's and we yeah, you were park where the car show is is only about three blocks from uptown, mm-hmm. and they've got a lot of booths and stuff uptown. And of course, Fairmont Historical Museum is open, and it's got a huge display of James Dean's personal effects, a couple of his motorcycles and clothing and trophies and contracts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're at all interested in James Dean, why you should go to Fairmount Historical Museum sometime. That's the place to be. <laughs> what is the cost to the general public? Nothing. 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 Free show. There's no charge. You can just walk right in. Well, very good. And what are the hours today? For the car show? Yes, sir. It's from around 8 in the morning till probably 9 o'clock in the evening. Okay. They usually have some entertainment, some kind of bands and mm-hmm. stuff. I can't tell you what band's going to be here tonight, but uh, I know there'll be a band there. Yeah, certainly a full day of entertainment. And yeah, good. Yeah, there's something going on all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great, Marcus. I appreciate you guys calling in. Okay, well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thanks you. Bye-bye. All right, that's Marcus Winslow and Bob McCarron from the James Dean Run in and, Fairmont, uh, Indiana. Right, we talk to them, I think, once a year now. Pretty much every year they'll call in, and that's a big, big show for custom cars in that area. And right. this is not just antique cars like you might think. You know, They've got some T-Model Fords, some A-Model Fords and all, but it's a lot of custom cars. Sure. You might see a 49 Mercury, like he had mentioned, or... You might see a 65 Chevrolet. Everything uh, from stock to wildly modified. Wild and crazy. <laughs> right. So if you really like cars, interested in custom cars, this is the place to be. That, this Any, weekend it is. Anywhere in this area. So that would be something to plan on. Maybe plan on going next year. If there you go. Year. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. I get your kicks on Hi folks, Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business, and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters, and I do mean characters. Zoinks! You know, Louis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. 40 years is really far out, man. <laughs> Louis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Go! 40 years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. <sighs> donuts. Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And if you don't have anything better to do, why don't you go give us a call? And that way we'll get you on the air and 
try to solve your problem. Maybe you can help somebody else by bringing up something they were thinking about and didn't want to call. That's right, and that number is 291-6901 if you'd like to call. That's right. Couldn't be easier. Now, just in case you don't want to call in or something occurred to you later on during the week. Or maybe even next week at midnight. There you go. You can get your questions answered through our website. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. That's right. And so much of the things that we do discuss on the Automotive Hour are on that website as well. So if you hear something say, well, you know, what do you, I'd like more information on that, go on that site, just get in a little search bar and type in a keyword or two, and you're probably going to find most of this rewritten because – we're doing this show for about 24 years now, so right. the majority of the things that we have talked about have been written out and put on the site. If not, send me an email. I'll be glad to try to get you a direct answer to it. There is tons and tons of information on that site, and the best thing about it is you can access it for no charge. That's right. It's all free of charge and largely unbiased. We're not trying to sell anything. We're not trying to push any agenda. One of the things, same thing with the Automotive Hour, we don't have sponsors on this show because when you have a sponsor, you're sort of beholding to them exactly. to talk good about their products. <laughs> and if you got a great product, that's good. I'll be glad to say it's good. But if you don't have such a great product, I'll be glad to say that as well. <laughs> and that's one thing I'm known for is I'm going to speak my mind. So that's one reason we sponsor the show ourselves. Right. We don't accept sponsors. I had offers of sponsorship in the past, and I just don't care to be beholden to anybody or have to say something because – you're trying to make somebody happy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so anyway, that's the long and short of it. I thought we'd talk a little bit today about used cars. And the first thing that comes to my mind is folks, for a number of reasons, may want to sell a car that's uh-huh. used. Sometimes they just trade it in because that's easy. You're right. But, they don't give you as much. But you got to remember whoever ultimately sells a car wants to make some money on it. Right. So therefore, he's got to give you a lot less than it's worth so that he can make his portion. Mm-hmm. Plus, he has to do whatever repairs and stuff are necessary to it to make it saleable. So you're going to get a lot less money by trading. trading the car than you would selling it yourself. Now, some cases, it may make more sense to trade the car, mm-hmm. particularly if it's a high-dollar car and fairly new, because you do get a sales tax advantage in the state of Louisiana. For instance, okay. the trade is subtracted off of the sale price before tax are calculated. Okay. And with a 9% tax rate in the Baton Rouge area, let's say you've got a $10,000 car that you're trading in, they're going to subtract 10000 off the value of that car. If it's a $40,000 new car, you trade in 10, then you're only going to pay 9% on 30. Okay. Because it's going to be subtracted off. So that's $900. That may be more difference than what you could get selling the car. Trying to sell it outright. May or may not be. On older cars where the value is not as high or on cars that maybe have higher mileage and stuff, a lot of the times the dealership is just really not interested in that car. Right. If, if they do tend to take it, they're not going to give you much for it, and yeah. they're going to wholesale it. Right. To the auction lot in town. Most dealerships want later model cars with lower mileage to put on their lot. Right. And the other stuff, they've got someone either under contract or someone they know that just they auction these cars off. Then the smaller lots buy them up and resell them and so right. on and on goes. But the point is, as it goes through more and more hands, each person who deals with this wants to make some money on it. Sure. Clearly, they're not there for fun. Exactly. So you are ultimately going to make a lot less money. And it's really not that difficult to sell your own car. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing we allude to, and I'd feel remiss if I didn't just mention this, a lot of folks will have a car 
they experience a major problem with it. Right, and then they decide it's time okay, to Okay, well, I'm going to sell this car with this problem. Uh-huh. Now, i got to say, I think that is despicable. I don't think you should sell a car with a problem. Right. Because all you're doing is taking your problem and trying to pass it on someone else. That's really not the right thing to do. And I know it happens every day, but that's just my thought. If you got a problem with the car, you should go ahead, take care of the problem, or... At least disclose it. Fully disclose the problem. Right. Hey, the transmission is fixing to fail in this car. That's why I'm selling it for this price. Mm-hmm. The owner buys it anyway. That's Knowing, fine. Right. He already knows he's going to have a transmission issue. Another thing you might do is you might sell the car as parts. In other words, you could disclose, hey, this car is really not suitable as an automobile. However, it's got a lot of good parts on it. Correct. Now, where that would be possibly of interest to someone, let's say you've got a car and the motor is bad or fixing to go bad. Uh-huh. Someone else has a car with a good motor that was wrecked. Right. So they don't have a body. Well, they may buy the body of your car, take their motor and put in it, and end up with a good car. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it could go exactly the opposite way. They may have a bad motor and want a good body. So there are ways to do that. The point is, number one, when you're selling anything, the best sales technique is to be honest. Sure. Always be honest. Don't try to hide anything and all that. That being said, there are ways that you can make your car certainly more attractive to a buyer. Mm-hmm. And these are the things we're going to talk about. But first, going back to our phone lines with Jim. Good morning, Jim. You two guys are the scariest guys on the radio, there man. You go. Sam Blake. <laughs> good Listening point. to all these late night scary shows. Uh-huh. Y'all are scary. I'm going to spend thousands of dollars to tell me what's wrong with my car. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I got a 2002 Chevy Silverado. Okay. And I'm trying to keep in good shape. I'm just changed the front disc brakes and the rotors on it. Okay. And, but for the last few months, even before I did that, ABS and the brake light comes on yes, intermittently right you know, it'll come on every five or six days stay on next time i crank it up it won't be on for a few days right i'm just wondering what that might be yeah important to understand jim abs even though it says brakes and even though the red brake light comes on virtually has very little to do with the brakes it's an electrical system it's an add-on electrical system. It's an added-on electrical system. In other words, you've got a full hydraulic brake system, and then you've got anti-lock brakes, which is an electrical system that monitors the brakes. And its sole purpose is if a wheel starts to lock up, it's going to pulse that one wheel to keep it from locking to help you maintain steering control. So it's really okay. more of a steering feature than it is a brake feature. It's not going to make you stop better. It's not going to make you stop faster. It helps you to maintain steering in a skid condition. All that said, you got to remember the key word is electrical, okay? You can go change pads, rotors, cylinders, master cylinder. You're not going to fix that problem. Well, my rotors were warped anyway. Well, I need to do it anyway, and that's fine. However, it's not going to fix an ABS problem. What you have to do is mostly, it's a lot more similar to a check engine light than it is a brake problem. You have to start out with a scan tool that is capable of retrieving codes from the chassis module. Now, these little gizmos you buy in a parts store probably cannot do that. They can read OBD2 emissions codes. A parts store can't retrieve that. It's in another computer that requires a more sophisticated piece of equipment to access. So you start out by going in and retrieving a code. Now, the code is going to give you a circuit. And it may say left front speed sensor circuit. Now, the biggest mistake people make to go change the speed sensor. Well, that's not necessarily it. It just says that circuit. It means that the computer is not seeing a signal that it likes on that particular wheel. Now, that could be the harness is bad. That could be the tone wheel got damaged somewhere along the line, and it's not... There was a wear 
on the wire mm-hmm. where could, it would rub up that. against the right. chassis. Absolutely. But it wasn't worn through. It was just yep. like they have like a little rubber right. around it. And well, the that, rubber was like a little bit I mean, worn through. Those wires, those wires get brittle. The computer no. can go back right. and just see a code where it doesn't really exist. It only has one light to turn on, so that's the light it turns right. on. And it's got about eight or 900 okay. malfunctions that can turn that one light on. The point is you're oh, not going to be able to yeah. solve this yourself. All you're going to do is send a whole bunch of money. What you need to do is go to someone, pay them to diagnose the problem for you. Then if you want to fix it yourself, that's fine. Some of the more common things on that particular model would be possibly a wheel speed sensor. But again, there are three of them, so which one is it? Another thing is the ABS control module goes bad a lot on those vehicles, and those are obscenely expensive from Chevrolet. However, a lot of people, including Nagco, can rebuild those for you at a much lower charge. So if you end up with that, you may have be able to have the module rebuilt if that's the case. Okay. The wiring gives a fair amount of trouble because it's under the car. So it's susceptible yeah. to branches and stuff that you run over and all that sort of thing. Point is, you're going to run out of money before you run out of gases. And well, I'll see if the mechanic I use has the tool. That right. Sensor. If he has a tool that can read the chassis control module, he can go in, he can read the code, and then from the code, he has to do some more tests to determine what is the cause of the code. Once he does yeah. that, he can narrow it down to a single component. Then it's just a matter of replacing the component and resetting the module, and you'll be, you'll be good. But I get people all the time, well, could it be this? Well, yeah, it could be all kind of stuff. But yeah. how many could bees do you want at a hundred bucks a crack? <laughs> no, yeah. you know what I'm saying. I, I still can drive the truck and be yes, safe. Yes, absolutely. It no, will only, not affect your braking, except you won't have any lock function. Correct. Is it if the, the light thing? is on? Correct. If the light is on, you will not have any lock function. <clears throat> now okay. it, it turns the yellow light on because there's a problem, and it also turns the red light on to get your attention. Right, and because yeah. it can't communicate with that module when there's an active code in it, so that's why it's turning yeah. the brake light. On. Right. Okay. All righty. All right, I told you guys it was scary. That's it. <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I'll take my mechanic and see if he got that. If not, I'll bring it to you and see if I can you you know, rebuild the module. Yeah, Sounds it's, great. Well, it's not a big deal to diagnose. Probably an hour or less you yeah. can diagnose the problem, and then you know exactly what it is. All right, I appreciate it, All right. guys. Thanks, man. All right, sir. Bye. Thanks. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I will love to hear from you. And, of course, we're talking about used cars, buying and selling, but we'll talk about any topic you might have on your mind. You go ahead and give us a call. Going back to the line with Clark. Good morning, Clark. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, good morning. I've got a 2008 Honda CRV, mm-hmm. and a couple of times, oh, a year or so ago, the drive light started blinking, and then it went away. And yes, then sir. A mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago, it did it, so we just stopped the car and started it back up, and it disappeared. Yes, sir. And I've got a, one of the little uh, code readers, yes, and I put it on there. There's no codes on it at all. Yeah, well, you see, what you're, you're reading, a different module. Yeah, you're reading the OBD2 emissions codes with your code reader. Yeah. This is going to be stored in transmission module, so it, it can't see that. Oh, okay. But you've got to have the factory scan tool to get in to get to that module to right. read it. What that D-light serves as is sort of like a check engine light for the transmission. Mm-hmm. It's seeing something in the transmission that it does not like, so it is setting a code. Now, when you cycle the ignition, what it does, it moves the code from active to history. It doesn't get rid mm-hmm. of it, it just moves it over to history. So the light goes off until the problem occurs again. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is this, Clark, if you ignore this and you keep driving it, mm-hmm. let's say you've got a minor problem like, for instance, you have a solenoid that's bad, which on a Honda is a piece of cake because it's on the outside of the transmission. It can be changed pretty easy and it's fairly inexpensive. But if you keep turning it off and just keep on driving it, and it burns up the second-gear clutches, well, now you're into a $4,000 rebuild. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Because there's, there's no pan on that transmission. You have to, every internal repair means taking the transmission out, taking it apart, in which case you're into a total rebuild. And when you've got it scattered all over a, a workbench in the back, yeah. it's amazing, man. Yeah. All the components and of parts in it. just different parts in it. So very important to get someone knows what to do to retrieve this code. Now, when I say someone knows what to do, you want someone that you trust because it's very, very easy for them to tell you, hey, you need a transmission, when that may or may not even be the case. The right guy is going to say, we're going to do this. We're going to put a scan tool. We're going to retrieve the code. We're going to put a pressure gauge. We're going to retrieve the pressures. Then we're going to evaluate the problem. You don't want anyone who's going to take it out and take it apart. And there's yeah, all you- diagnosis stops when they take transmission out of the car. That is totally Bush League. That's not what you want. You want them to know exactly what they're going after before they ever disable your car. And that's done from the outside with a scan tool, a lab scope, and or a set of pressure gauges. And a technician that knows what they're doing. And knows how to operate right. them. In other he can watch the pressures. If it's got a solenoid code, the first thing he wants to do, command the solenoid, see if the pressures rise like they should. If they don't rise, then he knows probably the solenoid is not opening, so he can take solenoid out and test it. But there's at least three solenoids on the outside of that transmission that are very easy to access. Yeah. Now, it could also be an internal failure. I'm not saying right. it's not. To kind of get an idea, if you want to pull the little dipstick around right the front of that transmission, look at the fluid. If it's nice and pink or red, smell the fluid. If it smells like burnt popcorn is black, chances are you're into a big deal. You know, I, I just did that. Mm-hmm. I just checked it real good, and we had a, you guys changed it for us about a year ago at okay. eighty thousand miles. Mm-hmm. I got finally got eleven thousand on it. Yeah, the fluid is. Right to the very bottom. It's almost at the very bottom of the, the level where you add. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's right on the line. Yeah, now you checked it with it sitting still and the motor off? Because that nope. one, you can't you can't check that one running. That one That's the one exception that you check without it running. Oh, okay. So it, it, if it's running, it will be different. Okay, does it need to be warm or cold? Warm. Warm. Yeah, fully warm up, but not running. That's the one, one of the only cars you check not running. And on level ground. And on level ground. Yeah, it's on level. I've done mm-hmm. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, because it runs fine, like yeah, you said. Yeah, it could be a solenoid that's not engaging when it should, but that mm-hmm. is not putting enough pressure to clutches and stuff inside the transmission, which will result in a failure if you continue to drive it. I got you. All righty? Gotcha. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we've got to take one more quick little break, but we'll be right back. Ron, if you hold on, you can be straight up after this break. Hi folks, Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Louis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Lewis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Lewis, James here, 40 years, wow. You know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. 
you got an automotive question, comment, will you <laughs> anything else about the show, you give us a call. We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we're going back to phone lines with Ron. Good morning, Ron. Yeah, good morning, Lewis. I just want to call you and tell you how much I enjoy your show. I enjoy your service and uh, your honesty because uh, about six months ago, I was having a problem with my check engine light coming on my uh, 2001 Infiniti QX4. Uh-huh. And I was told before that I had a bad catalytic converter. And so I went and spent about $700 to get it changed out and everything. And about two days later, you know, the light came right back on. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I brought it to y'all and you said, uh, let's do a good diagnostic on it. And I said, okay, because I already spent 700 so I wasn't, I didn't want to spend too much more, you right. know. And then you checked it out for me and you said it was, it needed some more software in the computer, you know. Okay. And, man, you download that thing and. That check light ain't never come on again, man. Well, good deal. Good deal. I appreciate it. <laughs> but anyway, I've got a little problem. I don't know if it's a problem or not. The characteristic, the transmission, when you put it in drive, it takes about a, a second for the, to go into gear. Is that, is that, That's called like, delayed engagement. Ron, how many miles are on the car? It's about 127. And what year model was it? 2001. Yeah, that is not – well, it's two things. Mm-hmm. One's real simple, and the other one is more major. Uh, one is if the fluid level is slightly low, it can do that. So you want to make sure you don't have a leak somewhere and you're not a little bit low on fluid. And it's kind of hard to check the fluid on that one, but check and make sure the fluid level is good. The second thing is the seals inside the transmission may start to get hard from age. When they get hard, what happens is that the fluid runs past the seal rather than pushing the piston in to engage the clutches, so you get a little slip. Right. Now, that being said, as long as you're willing to be reasonable, in other words, give the car time to go, right. you could drive it like that for years and years and years. Right. It won't normally take the transmission out right away. Now, if you sit there and race the motor up to make it slip, you sure. can, you'll take it out pretty fast. Right. One other thing is that sometimes a good service on the transmission may help. It can't fix a hard seal, but new fluid is going to have conditioner in it, which can mm-hmm. help to soften the seals if they're not too bad. Right. Certainly wouldn't hurt anything, may mm-hmm. help. I would probably do a good service. Not only that, but when you take the pan down and you take the filter out, you can open the filter up. Right. And you can see inspect for any types of metal or parts, pieces in there. And then you'll know maybe it's just a seal now since we don't have anything in the filter. Right. You're getting a good insight because you, if the filter is pretty clean and the pan's pretty clean, then mm-hmm. I would suggest do a good service and keep driving it. Just take it a little easy, give it a second to go. Now, if I drop the pan, there's a snap ring laying in the pan and two chunks of metal in there. You know. Well, you know you're close to the end, so you got right. another plan, you see. And it also has a little bit of slack. I don't know if it's like a little play in the stick when you're moving it. You know, like it's got a little play. Is that normal for that? Or it- well, as you get older, you get that. There's a bunch of bushings and grommets in there that will wear out, and sometimes right. they'll fall out, and it won't put it all the way in gear. Now, that can also create that delayed engagement if it's not going all the way into gear. Mm-hmm. So that is normally – I'm not as familiar with an Infiniti as I am some of the Toyota models, but on a Toyota, that's pretty much a piece of cake. About an hour, hour and a half service to pull a shifter out, change the grommets in it, and that fixes a lot of other problems and prevents a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And normally it takes, well, you'd have to do that beside changing the transmission fluid. Yes, that so included? That would, no, That's sir, that would be two separate services. Right. But again, you may end up spending three, four hundred, five hundred dollars and prevent a four thousand dollar breakdown. Right. So, right. you know, if the car is good other than that, it's something I would at least have looked at. And if you think it's, in your best interest to go ahead and do it, then you can evaluate that. But if you just kind of ignore it and let it go, you may end up with a much bigger problem that you could have prevented. Yeah, now, that has a six-cylinder energy. Uh, what is that, a 3.8 or something? 3.5 normally. That, 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 it's getting about 15 miles to the gallon. Is that, is that about right? Is that about what it's always gotten? 
Yeah, that's about all I can get out of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah that's probably about what it's going to get. That's in town. That's a town, yeah. yeah. That's probably what they'll get. 15 in town, maybe 18, 20 on the road. Yeah, uh, and, it's and a, uh, it's you a can, big six on the motor. I mean, it don't, it's not required to use 89, is it, octane? Or? You'd have to check your owner's manual. I'm not certain. Now, if it calls for 89 octane and you're putting 87 in it, you will lose mileage because of that. Really? Because okay. what it's going to do is it's going to retard the timing to try to keep it from pinging and knocking and tearing up the motor. And when it does, you're going to definitely lose mileage. Right. So you have to evaluate it. What I do on my cars, Ron, is I try a couple of tanks of the higher octane gas, and I see if I get enough mileage difference to pay for the difference in price. Right. I just do the math. And sometimes, like, my car does not call for 89 octane. Right. But if I run the 89, I get enough better mileage to pay the difference. So I just go ahead and run the 89 in. But that's not true on every car. Some cars are not going to benefit from it. Will it tell it, will it say that on, on a gas tank or not? Did it, it say, might, uh, I would look in the owner's manual. It should tell you in the owner's manual which one it okay. requires. Well, thank you a lot, Lord. Right, I man. appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would absolutely love to have you. And we were talking a little bit about used cars. And, of course, some of the reasons why you would want or not want to sell a used car. Mm-hmm. For instance, if you're just tired of this car, you want something different. Maybe you need an SUV and you've got a car. Maybe you've got an SUV and you don't want an SUV. You want a car. Right. Maybe you want better mileage. These are all reasons you might come to the conclusion of selling a car. The reason not to sell a car is because, hey, I got something wrong with this thing. I'm going to sell it and give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's kind of past your problems on somebody else. And there are laws on the books. In Louisiana, we have what they call the retribution law. Right. And what retribution means is that a major defect that's discovered in the first 90 days is thought to exist at the time of sale. So you can okay. go back, rescind the transaction. In many cases, you can even get punitive damages. So not only is it illegal, it's unethical, and it's not something you want to do. Now, all those things being said and all that out of the way, one of the biggest things to get more money for your car by a large, large measure is something that everybody can do themselves. That's right. Very take easily. It, take it and clean it. Right. Think about going and look at a product. You don't want to go look at a dirty product. That's right. Anything you're buying. Anything. Right. If you're going to rent an apartment and you walked in and, and there's had an odor in the place. And there's junk all over the carpet. Dead roach right. in the corner. You're not going to take that apartment. Right. Give it a good, thorough scrubbing, top to bottom, inside, inside and, and out. out. Right. Because cars tend to develop odors because they've got a lot of cloth seats or leather seats. They have cloth carpet. carpet and carpet has all padding these, underneath. All these things retain odors that we have become accustomed to, and uh-huh. we no longer smell it. But when the next guy gets in, it can be offensive to it. Sure. And that is one thing that is going to kill a car sale faster than anything else. Yes, it will. Is a car that is dirty. It looks unkept. And Anything the like smell that. Smell that hits you when you open the door. That that's a big turnoff right. right there. If it's a higher dollar car and you can afford it, have it professionally detailed. Right. Because professionals can generally do a better job than you can. If you like that kind of stuff, or it's a lower dollar car and you can't afford to have it detailed, get a good bucket of soap and water. First, wash the outside, including the tires and wheels. Clean it all real good. Go inside the trunk. Get all the personal stuff, all the personal effects out. Right. Put the spare tire where it goes pull with the, the jack. Right. Pull the carpet up. Take it out. Take your vacuum. Clean all down in the well, all around the corners. Clean the carpet. Like you say, and put make sure the spare tire is in there. It's got air in it. Mm-hmm. The jack, the, the lug wrench, uh, everything that should have been in the car when it was new. That's right. Would really look nice still in the car when you get and, ready to sell and it. And like it all goes. 
Another thing that people tend to overlook is clean all your door jams. Mm-hmm. There's all around the doors. Clean all of that. Wash all, all that. Wipe all the seals down good. Make sure they're nice and clean, not all dusty and dirty. And a big, big thing that folks overlook all the time, clean the windows inside and out, every single one. Mm-hmm. That's the front windshield, the rear windshield screen, all the side windows. Clean all of the windows and all of the glass. And the, the gap down between the windshield and the hood tends to right. collect a lot of trash in there. Get all, Get all that, that out. out. Yep. Final thing when you're cleaning, go ahead and raise the hood. And the last thing you want to do is go to a car wash and take a water hose and put it under that hood. Because you're going to get water in places where it shouldn't be. You're going to end up with check engine lights, possibly a no start. Right. But you can take a damp rag and you can wipe everything down. Mm-hmm. Knock the dust, dirt, and loose grime and grit off. Clean it all and dry it. Right. That way, when a person looks at the car, it looks clean. It looks like something they can see themselves in. Nobody wants a dirty car. I like to take a compressed air mm-hmm. and blow out under the hood before you try to wash anything. That way you knock most of the big chunks That's and the right. dust and the dirt out so you're not wiping, trying to clean all that stuff right. with a rag and, and soap and water That's right. afterwards. We're going to give you a whole lot more tips as soon as we come back from this call. we got Keith online. Good morning, Keith. Hey, good morning. I'm going to ask my question, and then I'm going to hang up and listen on the radio to okay. y'all's answer. I've got a 2015 Toyota Tundra, mm-hmm. and wanted to know if... If I can and need to add a transmission oil cooler, an additional one, to what's there. That would depend a lot, Keith, on what you intend to do with the vehicle. If you're just going to drive the vehicle normally, no, it's not going to benefit, and it's just added cost. And if it's not done correctly, it can create problems. If you're going to tow something heavy, you possibly could gain. If you go to my website and just type in transmission cooler, there's a long detailed article on that exact topic and it goes into what you're going to do how to evaluate whether you want to do it or not if you do decide you want it done have it professionally installed and the best thing is to get the factory toyota cooler and have that installed instead of an aftermarket one lots and lots of times coolers are put in improperly and they do more harm than good if they jam it right up against the AC condenser with a couple of twist ties, number one, it can damage the condenser. But number two, it does no good at all. It's just transferring the heat between the two instead of transferring the heat from the fluid off to the air. You need right. about a one-inch air gap in between it like the factory cooler has. Read that article. It's going to give you a lot, lot more information. Good question. But for the most part, if you're going to drive it and operate it in a stock condition without towing anything excessively heavy, you're probably not going to benefit from it, and you may create a problem. If you want to tow something really heavy, possibly. Possibly. But read the article, and it'll give you a lot more insight. And you can access that article at agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Go to search and just type in transmission cooler, and it'll tell you just about everything you want to know about it. Good call. Very good call. We were talking about getting your car ready to sell. Mm-hmm. Of course, clean the whole car. Take all of the personal effects out of the car. Right. Now, that means bumper stickers, window stickers, and all that sort of thing as well. Mm-hmm. You'd be amazed... You may have a bumper sticker that you think is cute as the devil. The next guy may not like that. Well, he may offend him. It may, and he may not want it on there. Same thing with political stickers. Different people have different political That that is a great example. You do not want these kinds of things on the car because the next guy is thinking about driving his car around. He doesn't support that candidate. He doesn't want that sticker on the car. Right. Best off is not to put that stuff on your car. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But you just got to do it. Now, along the same lines modifications that you've made to the car 
And I always tell people it's best not to modify a car today because cars are engineered down to the nth degree anyway. The aftermarket modifications, be it a coal air induction system right. or lowering the car or putting custom wheels, all these sorts of things, are probably just going to create far more problems than they solve. Now, beyond that, if you just hell-bent on doing it, have to do it, save all the old parts. Right. That way, when you get ready to sell the car, you can put it back the way the factory built it. Or at very least, you can give it to the next buyer so he can do it. Yeah, and best off is put it back the way it goes. Because when you have a car that is in factory showroom condition, believe me, the guys who build cars are very good at selling cars. Mm -hmm. They build cars to be sold. And they know what most people are going to be attracted to. When you modify a car in any way, you have now reduced that market from everybody down to that handful of people who see things the same way you do. Right. So you've got a much, much, much smaller market. Smaller market, smaller price. Mm -hmm. So you may think it's the coolest thing in the world to have these big wide tires and wheels and the car lowered. The rest of the people don't see it that way. Number one, they see it and they say, well, I don't know what else he's done. Maybe he's damaged his car. This is a car I'm going to pass on. Right. So your price is going to go way down, even though you spend a whole lot of money to put it all on there. If you save all the old parts, for instance, you put a fresh air intake. I see this all the time. Next thing you know, check engine light pops on. Well, this cold air intake is causing that. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Now what? Did you save all the old, old stuff went to trash? No, I threw those away. Well, yeah. that might be $1,500 worth of factory components exactly. that you threw away that you can't put back now. That rattlesnake skin gear shifter, <laughs> <laughs> it might be really cool to you, but the next guy may not like it. He wants right. to see a leather Honda or Toyota gear shifter back on there. The point is, a car that is in factory condition, it is just the way it was when it was built, is not only going to garner a higher price... It is going to be much, much easier to sell because it appeals to a much larger audience of people. So put the car back in factory condition before you sell it. Clean the car, all personal effects out of the car before you list it. And we're going to be back in just a minute with a few more tips. Hey, Lewis Alvesan from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and you won't believe the people calling in to congratulate us. Hey, Lewis, it's Jay. You, you know, I'm into cars myself, and 40 years of business is amazing, just amazing. You know, if I still had my show, I'd have you in the interview chat just like that. Mr. Altazan, congratulations from your old pal Jack. 40 years is quite an accomplishment, and that's the truth. I should know, because I can handle the truth. Uh, uh, Lewis, it's, it's me, Oz. 40 years. I, I got him bloody amazing. Sharon, where's my cell phone? Oh, that's right. I, I, I'm on it. Now I've got to find my glasses. Well, it's been really nice getting all these calls. I guess in this day and age, people really appreciate an automotive repair shop that does good work and will never steer you wrong. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altland, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 291-6901. Still got a few minutes left to get you a live and in-person answer. There you go. We were discussing selling a car. And, of course, I'm not going to delve on the points that you don't want to check engine light on. 
you want to make sure that the air conditioning is working. Because right. these are things, particularly in South Louisiana. That's some things people are going to be looking you're for. You're not going to sell a car if the AC doesn't work. Exactly. I mean, basically, you got scrap iron down. It's hard to sell a car down here with an air conditioning system that just doesn't work. It's kind of like trying to sell a car in Minnesota in February. The heater doesn't work. Number one, the guy's going to freeze to death when he's test driving it. And since I mentioned test drive, it is reasonable to assume that whomever might want to buy this car is going to want to test drive the car. Well, that would be a logical assumption. Right. So that may or may not create an issue. For instance, if you are a young lady and you get three big grown guys come by and they all want to hop in this car with you and go test drive it, because certainly you're not going to hand them the keys and say, hey, have a nice day. Right. That could present a problem. problem. At very least, I would feel uncomfortable in that situation. So what you may want to have is either your dad or your brother or your husband Mm -hmm. or someone like that going right. Not that something couldn't still happen. However, I say the odds are a lot less likely in those conditions. Now, if you just don't feel safe in this type of situation, there are people who will sell the car for you on consignment, Mm -hmm. and they do it for a percentage. Rather than get mugged or worse, it might certainly be well better to go ahead and pay someone else to sell the car for you. But it's something you want to be mindful of in this day and age. It is reasonable that the person is going to want to drive the car. You're going to need to have the wherewithal to have someone go and drive the car with you. Right. And if I were going to drive a, a sell a car and three guys showed up with the car, I don't want all three of them in the car. I want the driver and myself in the car uh-huh. because I can't watch those other two guys. And I don't know them, and I'm not right, saying These, these that, are complete strangers from saying, who knows where. Yeah, that they are going to mean harm to me. But when I got three guys in the car, I can't watch all three of them. They could easily overpower me. And you know something else, like you're saying, don't bring them to your home. No. no. Meet them at a highly trafficked place right. like a, a shopping mall or a grocery store or mm-hmm. something like that. Right. If you want to show the car, you can list it in whatever services you want to list it, be it the newspaper or News on Wheels or any of those type mm-hmm. of services. But when they want to see the car, it's better to meet in a public place. Right. I know at one time some of the police stations were allowing you to meet there. Mm-hmm. And just they're a lot less likely with all these officers walking around with sidearms exactly. <laughs> to, to try something silly. But you don't want them necessarily coming to your house. Right. Now, if you feel comfortable when coming to your house, maybe you've got a driveway and you've got a locking garage and you can secure the rest of the house. Another thing is when people come up, to look at the car. Remember, you don't know these people. Exactly. Even if they're dressed nicely, you don't want to have them into your house. You don't want to let them in to use the restroom or what have you. You don't know these people, so you have to err on the part of caution Correct. when you're selling the car. So these are just some things that people don't necessarily think about. Now, finally, I want to start wrapping up. One thing that is extremely important is the title to the car. You've got to have the title in your possession. There can't be any mortgages or liens on that title. Right. Because if you don't have the title, then you don't own the car. Right. You the bank still has the it. If the bank still has it, you, they have title to that car. Until you get the title clear and free in your hand, you can't list the car because mm-hmm. you can't sell the car. There's been a number of encumbrances by that. There's been a number of lawsuits by that. If you give this car to someone and you don't have the title, basically you are not selling the car. You are creating a big, 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 big problem. Right. Now, one other thing, before you let the car out of your possession, I would get, number one, a bill of sale, have it notarized, 
the title, and you want to be there when all this is notarized so you can prove you did sell the car, mm-hmm. what I would do is take the license plate off of the car, and I would take it down to Department of Motor Vehicles, and I would surrender that license plate myself. That's right. Because let's say the next driver buys a car, and he's remiss, and he doesn't go and transfer the title right away, and he's driving around. Well, he's pretty much driving your car. Right. And if he gets in a wreck, you could be in for some pretty sizable liability. Well, and not only that, when you drop the insurance on it, because that's the first thing you're going to do when you sell that car is you're going to go drop the insurance on it. That's right. Now the state knows that car does not belong to you. They want their plate back. That's right. Now, on some vehicles, some pickup trucks, Mm -hmm. the plate goes with the vehicle. Mm Mm-hmm. So you have to do a little more research research on that. But in the most part, when you sell a car, the, the license plate has to be turned back into motor yeah, vehicles. Just a good idea, even if it doesn't have to. You bring it down there and they say, well, we don't need that one back. Okay, well, great. Bring it back and put it on. But if you surrender the license plate, you know that he's got to go and apply for a license or he's going to get caught pretty fast driving without a plate. Right. That means he's going to have to have a registration. He's going to have to have proof of insurance. He's going to have to have a driver's license. He's going to have to have all these things. Correct. So – Take the plate off the car and go down and turn it in, and that way you're going to help to hedge your bet that he doesn't drive around in his car for six months, a year, two years without changing it over into your name. Had a fellow that worked for me years ago, sold a car, left the license plate on it, dropped the insurance. Well, what happened is the insurance company notified the state. Uh-huh. Well, the state goes to the computer, sends him a letter, you got an uninsured vehicle in your name. Right. He had to take a day of work, had to go down. There was a fine involved. I mean, it was a real big hassle for him to prove that he had sold the car. And luckily, he still had the bill of sale and all that stuff. So he was able to prove that he had sold it, but he still missed a day of work. He had all this hassle. Well, and not only that, he got a ticket from a red light camera That's in right. the mail because right. the, red, the license plate was still in his name. So... They associated that license plate with his name and sent him the ticket. Well, that's right. And he had sold a vehicle. That's right. So you always want to make sure you get all the paperwork completed and all the I's dotted and T's crossed. Because people being what people are, right. a lot of times they get a little lazy and they just don't go do the paperwork. They just hop in the car and go. Right. Now, at the notary, when you get it notarized, they should take care of all that, getting the title signed over out of your name into the next person's name. Right. And they're going to put a raised Louisiana notary stamp on that paperwork. Now, when you get this paperwork, that goes in a file, goes in a file cabinet where you can put your hands on it. Right. Because if this car gets stolen from the new owner, he has not transferred title, someone pulls an armed robbery in it, Guess who they're looking for? It can be real unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> well, not like you say. Not only that. Afterwards, you know, when they're, after they're everything's said and, said and done, you still have proof that you sold that car. That's right, and that is important to retain that for a while. On yeah. Least. Hey, I see we're just about out of time. We're going to start winding up. Tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends, go to the written rating service on your right. favorite broadcast. and Be it iTunes or Stitcher, whomever. Give us a positive review. That'll move us up in the ratings so more folks can hear us. That way, when they type in auto repair, our name will pop up close to the top of the list, which makes it a lot more likely to listen to us, which means we can keep doing the show. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody benefit. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion. Based on our experience in the automotive industry, have a great weekend.